0: Hey, time for another edition of Spitting lugs with ESPN's Tom Luganbill. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. It is always brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Secure a first deposit bonus at MyBookie.ag. Happy holidays, Lugs.
1: Happy holidays. Merry belated Christmas. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, all of that good stuff. Happy New Year! Can't I believe, can't... man, this flies by so fast, dude.
0: It, it, it does. I mean, the regular season college football flies by, and then once we get to conference championship games, we were talking about this earlier on the on the next round that the the it seems like it's going to be a long time from conference championship to college football playoff, and we're already here, so it does yeah. fly by. You know, in yeah. the meantime, we've had the the transfer portal. Um, And it is just so insane. Walter Nolan, now an Ole Miss Rebel. Um, you know, a week ago you had – or two weeks ago, Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon, and then Dante Moore followed him up. Um, You still got a guy like Cam Ward hanging out there. So let's start with the Oregon quarterback situation. There's no way Dylan Gabriel is going to go somewhere his final year of eligibility and not start, right? So why would Dante Moore go there? Well, I think maybe
1: the thought process is – Dylan Gabriel is the bridge player, okay, and Dante Moore could redshirt. And now, all of a sudden, you learn, you get into the system. It's where he had originally verbally committed to in the first place. Um, that would be my my thinking on it. Aside from that, if you're Dylan Gabriel, you're probably not as talented as Dante Moore, but you've played so much more football, right? And so, yeah, you got to anticipate that you're going to win the job. But if you're Dante Moore, maybe it came down to him saying, you know what, I screwed this thing up, and I should, have never, I, I should have never flipped. I should have never switched, and maybe he wants to ride this thing out now. Great problem to have if you're Oregon.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, defensive lineman's never going to get the headlines of a quarterback, but Walter Nolan, I mean, this might be the best uh, portal guy coming in for Lane oh, yeah. Kiffin and Ole Miss. And I mean, what kind of an impact does he immediately make on that defense?
1: Well, he's a former number one overall player for us. Um One of the things that I've always appreciated about him is he's a really fierce competitor. This is a player that's in the portal that it was really productive. Like there is a large sample size of him being at times a very dominant player, being an as advertised player, if you will, for a guy leaving high school that everybody was highly anticipating would come in and play and and make an impact. And he did. So he's unlike he's unlike any defensive lineman they've had at, at Ole Miss. I mean, I think. This is, this is the caliber of player that you target in the portal. There's very few of them because you know that you can play with Alabama, you can play with Georgia, and you can play with these other teams, but you can't up front right now. You're chasing Georgia and Alabama up front. So it's just another piece of the puzzle to help elevate them in an area where they've typically been outmanned because they've got the skill guys and the quarterback to compete.
0: Uh, Lincoln Riley has been one of these guys that's been kind of polarizing because he's had success. Uh, especially with his quarterbacks, but now he's coming off a of seven and five. We know Caleb Williams is gone, probably the number one overall guy in May. Now Malachi Nelson to mm-hmm. some, I don't know where you guys had him, the number one quarterback coming out in 2022. Yeah. He's in the portal. Um, Will Howard, you know, the thought is he's going to be coming to uh, USC, but to me, Will Howard, I liked him at Kansas State, but he's like a poor, poor, poor man's Caleb Williams. What's going on right now at USC? Why did Malachi Nelson and and Lincoln Riley never get on the same page? Where's his destination? And and ultimately, what do the Trojans do?
1: I would be very curious to know if Malachi Nelson is one of those guys that got caught up in name, image, and likeness, and all of a sudden there wasn't any more motivation, right? Um, One man's opinion. I think he's very talented physically, but I think that there was a big disappointment From the moment he arrived, in terms of what needed to what you needed to do to be a great great player, right? Aside from all of the other stuff, and he may just got caught up in it a little bit. And he is talented. He's a guy that that um, is a pretty thrower, good athlete, highly productive throughout his high school career. Everybody recruited him, but something was wrong, right? And you know, Will Howard's played a lot of football, but he's a complete polar opposite of basically everybody lincoln riley has had going back to when he first you know arrived at oklahoma as a as an assistant coach prior to becoming the head coach but he's played a lot of football and i think there's something to be said for that in the portal with a lot of these guys but they're running listen they're running out of options man i mean what, here's what i think at some point or another is gonna have to start happening At the quarterback position as it relates to the portal, not just for a school like SC, but they're a great example right now, but really for everybody. I think you're going to start seeing more programs targeting like what I would call late bloomers, guys that maybe aren't as highly recruited and maybe aren't as college ready, but really want to go, right? They really want to go to SC or they want to go to Ohio State or what have you. And they know they have to develop. They know they have to redshirt. There, there isn't an expectation to play right away, so you can start keeping these quarterbacks around, because that's the problem. That's the only right now. That's the only solution I see to this quarterback carousel. Is maybe you go younger, you go. I don't want to say less talented, but maybe more of a projection, right, of what you think a guy is going to be, and that person going to be really willing to work hard, have a chip on his shoulder, earn it, stick around not have a problem with red shirting because what we're seeing now in the last five classes there have been seven of the top quarterbacks that are no longer with their same school right and we we ran those numbers on signing there, and it's it's staggering and that's just of some of the, the top guys and so if you're not playing right away or you think things aren't working out they just they bolt they just leave and now you're left with a program with nothing but wouldn't you rather have a guy that you at least targeted and recruited and developed by maybe going that route? Because to me, I don't know how sustainable this is for everybody.
0: Yeah, And finally on the, the quarterbacks, I mean, Cam Ward to me, arguably the best quarterback in the, in the portal, Notre Dame and Riley Leonard would probably disagree, but I thought for sure with the announcement of Kyle McCord taking off, going to Syracuse, I, I almost thought it was a slam dunk that Cam Ward was coming to Columbus, and maybe that still happens. But ultimately, where do you think his destination is?
1: I think he needs to be in the spread offense, in some version of the air raid, some version of the spread. Um, I don't know if he's kind of your your traditional offense type guy. Like Riley Leonard, I think, could play in a variety of different offenses. I don't know. I think Cam Ward is more of an air raid, spread you out, run the ball a little bit, create with your feet, and make some plays and pull a rabbit out of a hat type of guy. He's been very, very productive. He's also been at times careless with the football too. Um, but but the production has outweighed that side of things. I, would he be a good fit at, at Ohio State? Yeah, probably. Um, they've, they've been really, really productive with, with athletic quarterbacks. I think with the Cotton Bowl coming up, this is a great opportunity for – Ohio State's you know, quarterback and Devin Brown to prove that they don't need to go to the transfer portal. And maybe that's one of the things that, that Cameron Ward's waiting on, to see who plays well in the bowl games. Like, who's got who, and has somebody committed to somebody, or does it look like, ah, there's going to be a great opportunity there? Maybe that's what some of these guys are waiting on.
0: It is Spitting lugs with ESPN's Tom Luganbill. I'm Lance here for the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. It is always brought to you by lanceslock.com. Lanceslock.com. Uh, all plays, sides, totals, NBA, college basketball, bowl season, NFL. Jump on board, free play every day at lanceslock.com. Everybody's talking about, um, talking about Michael Penix Jr. They're talking about Quinn Ewers. Nobody's really talking about the running backs. And I thought Dylan Johnson was so huge, especially for Washington in these one-possession games. And then, obviously, um, the Longhorns now with Jonathan Brooks going down, C.J. Baxter is the guy. Who's got the advantage there? And ultimately, how big – how pivotal is whoever, you know, has the most yards on the ground in this game?
1: Well, I think the advantage is probably with Texas because Texas, their approach first and foremost is to come out and run the football. That's, they, they want to run the football, period. If you look at Washington, really, the, the run game started to really balance out the attack from the SC game on, which was fairly late in the season. You know, they didn't have, they didn't, you know, he hadn't really emerged. And I think he's added a tremendous amount to the offense because, you know, you do have to play the box a little bit tighter now against Washington than maybe you did in the first half of the season. But people also fail to realize that while Jonathan Brooks was having a Heisman caliber uh season when he went down against TCU, cj baxter was the starting running back to open the season he hurt his foot in the opening game of the season um excuse me hurt his foot against alabama um and then you know missed a week and then came back a little bit for the baylor game but they have such depth at running back at texas because brooks goes down you got cj baxter you got Jaden blue You got Savion Red who can run the Wildcat stuff that they do with them in short yardage on the goal line. And so I think the depth probably aids Texas. I would say that if Texas has a lot of yards on the ground, it probably means that Washington's offense was not on the field very much. Because Washington, while they're explosive and they can create um, a lot of big explosive plays, particularly through the air, they score quickly. Texas has shown that they can go the length of the field and and really be methodical, run to pass, quick screen, uh, tight end screen, the whole nine yards, and take time off the clock. And so I think it probably benefits Texas. I think Texas will have more of a concerted effort to run the football against the 90th-ranked defense in college football this year, which was Washington. That's the other thing, too, that, that um, you've got to acknowledge in this matchup is, Well, I think Washington will attempt to run the football. Name one team that's run the football against Texas. Nobody can run the football against Texas. And they haven't seen anywhere close to those two defensive tackles that Texas is playing with inside. And so I would say Texas rushes for more. And as a result, if they do, they're going to limit Washington's possessions.
0: Okay. On the fly drill here, Lugs Um, coaching quarterback matchups in the college football playoff. So you've got DeBoer and Penix. We've got Ewers and Sark. Who's got the advantage there?
1: I want to say DeBoer and Penix, and the reason why, and I said this to Ryan Brown earlier, when Quinn Ewers is good and when he's on, he is really good. But when he's off, it's not like he's average or mediocre. He's bad. Like, he's really, really off. There doesn't seem to be any middle ground there. And we haven't seen much of that from Michael Penix the last two years. He's been fairly consistently either good, really good, or elite. No, we haven't seen him disappear for a half or some of those things. So I'm going to give the slight edge out in, in that one to Washington.
0: Okay, on the other side in the Rose Bowl, how big is the gap? Because, you know, in September, October, you would have said McCarthy, a much better quarterback than Milroe Now it looks like Milrow is the more productive, better quarterback. And then obviously Saban over over Harbaugh. But is it a huge gap with those combos? I don't think it's
1: a huge gap, but it's you're talking about two completely different offensive approaches and also two completely different players at quarterback. It's so hard to compare – As good as J.D. McCarthy has been during his career at Michigan, the Michigan offense just isn't very good, particularly the last three or four weeks, and J.D. McCarthy hasn't been very good. I didn't think that they finished overly strong, looking like the type of offensive football team you want to be to win a national championship, whereas I think Alabama did look that way. They got better and better and better as the season went on. Their trajectory was upward, but... I would say Saban and Milrow just because Milrow brings more to the table that you have to defend than J.J. does.
0: Okay, before we get out of here, you and I always talk a little entertainment here. I don't know how many holiday movies you watched over the past week. I'm still wrapping them up and watching them. But if you had to give me a a hidden gem holiday movie, not your run-of-the-mill Christmas vacation or Elf or any of those, do you have something?
1: Four Christmases. The most underrated Christmas comedy maybe ever.
0: Okay, it was it was on the other day. I watched some of it. I, I thought Vince I love Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And I thought him is uh as Joseph in the play was was really good. Dude, how uh,
1: great was that scene. Yeah. There
0: there were there <laughs> were some there was a there was some funny part. It was a great cast too. I mean, how about, how
1: about when he goes to his dad's house with his brothers? One of them's Tim McGraw and the other one's John Favreau. Yeah. And they're doing the whole wrestling thing and they're putting the satellite in. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is a great movie.
0: And then, uh, and then his best friend growing up is banging his mom, who sissy <laughs> facing. They're playing board games. It oh, does have so some good, good parts. Uh, yeah. Mine would be Office Christmas Party. Have you seen it yet?
1: Great movie. I yeah. love it. I thought it was. I thought it was misreviewed because it didn't get great, great reviews. I think oh, it's awesome.
0: It got crushed. Yeah, I. Uh, so girlfriend had never seen it. We watched it. Her family had never seen it. Watched it again, and then watched it with my little guy and it just – you you miss – there are so many great one-liners in there, too, and that's oh. a great cast, too, because Bateman can play anything. And then I'll T.J. Do- Miller, it was oh, fantastic.
1: dude. And I'll tell you who was great in that is the gal from uh, Saturday Night Live.
0: Who played, yeah, Kate like, McKinnon? The
1: office- yeah, Kate McKinnon was great in that. I thought she was really, really good. I'll tell you the other one that I think – I mean, it's not for kids, but I think it's a hilarious movie, and that's Bad Santa.
0: That's my favorite. It is my favorite holiday film. It I just saw so Bad good. Santa 2 last night for the first time.
1: Oh, yeah. Not
0: it's bad. filthy. Like, I'm bad glad I didn't watch filthy, it with yeah. my kid because, you know, Bad Santa's bad enough, but Bad Santa 2, it is next to level.
1: How about the kid when he walks up to Billy Bob Thornton and he, and he hands him this, he goes, is this a present? He goes, well, what is it? He goes, it's a wooden pickle. <laughs> yeah. Does it have blood on
0: it? Yeah, it's so, so freaking good. Uh okay, Luke, safe travels, enjoy the family. Uh, we'll be back we'll in touch next week and we'll know our uh college football playoff uh national championship matchup, which is crazy.
1: I know it is gonna be crazy. How how much you think, by the way, how much you think that the committee is hoping and praying we get a Texas Alabama rematch?
0: Oh. Yeah, if you get Michigan, Washington, and if either one of those teams was to win by double digits, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a terrible hey, job I, by the committee.
1: I got to get one take from you. I got to get a. What are you saying the line's going to be between Georgia and Florida State?
0: Uh, when it goes off, probably 18 or 19. But you tell me, I mean, we know nobody for Florida State's playing, but who's playing for Georgia? I know. Georgia?
1: That's the thing. I think. I think, first of all, Georgia's got plenty to be mad about going from one to six. That's ludicrous in and of itself. Oh, yeah. And Florida State's going to look like a JV team. I mean, so, that thing, that it, could be. Is it going to be a bloodbath? It could be an uh, the ugliest bloodbath of the New Year's Six games. It could be. Wow. Oh. And
0: then, you know, unfortunately for Florida State, they're not even close to hole and people are going to be like, told you so. Didn't deserve I to know. be know. Yeah. Exactly. That does suck for them. All right, Spittin' Lugs here on Disrupt the Media. Tom Luganbill from ESPN. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. It is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Secure a first deposit bonus at MyBookie.ag. Lugs, we'll see you next week. All right, buddy. See ya.